coming to you from the world of AV programming and control with James King. I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. Hey, James, it's good to be back with you. It's great to be back, Steve. And I can't believe we're on episode 15 already. I know we, we missed uh, celebrating 10, but we'll celebrate 15 and we're, we're off and running. And I'm hoping that we'll continue this momentum. And it's been nice receiving some feedback. And we know that people are out there appreciating what we're doing. So um, we'll keep doing it. Oh, I agree. I mean, even the other day I was uh, invited to be on uh, AV Week with Tim Albright and them. And he even... Before we hit record, he mentioned to drop about this program. Could if I didn't, he was. Not how much he likes it. Tim's a good friend and a good supporter, and I take that as a high compliment. Um, I do too, because Tim's a, a powerhouse in the industry, so in AV. So that's to get someone like him to enjoy our show. That's great. And if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be behind the microphone right now. So we'll uh, hope he's listening to this. And if you are, uh, know that we appreciate you and uh, we're giving you a shout out. So today we um, decided that it would be good to take a little bit of a turn and talk about the user interface side of control programming, because most programmers are good at writing code and many of them except for a select few, probably would find themselves challenged with being able to design a good user interface. However, there's uh, that marriage must happen. And not only is it important to be able to design a user interface that is visually appealing, but also needs to be functional, functional and also needs to follow some be- best practices. And all of that impacts how systems programmed. I um, I'll, I'll uh, share with you that I know that when I started doing programming, transitioning from doing keypads to doing a touch panel was a whole different world. It, it kind of doubled the amount of work because you're not only making the system work, but you're also needing to control the, the user and you're, and you're responsible for that experience. And part of that also means keeping a user from getting themselves in trouble. Um, I, from your experience in, and in the world that you're working in, um, tell me a little bit about how, how user interface fits in and, and what, what are some of the successes and, and challenges you faced? Um, so first off, I would like to mention, I kind of went opposite of you. I went from touch panel interfaces to keypads. Um, so unlike you, where you want keypads, touch panels, I went the reverse way. Um, my preference is a touch panel. Um, and the reason why I prefer touch panel over keypad is mainly that the remote support to update it and make changes on the fly when needed, where a keypad, if I need to change a label text or image, I need to physically go to the room, change out the label the keypads are nicer because you are very limited of what you can do like uh we went from uh the product we used to use which had 16 buttons so you were limited to 16 buttons if you wanted more than that you had to 
add another keypad. So it came very um, design processing, uh, making sure we could do what we needed to do with the limit number of buttons. Now the new keypads we're using are 13 buttons. So it's even more making sure picking, choosing the right commands or even macros if we need to make macros that we get all the needs of our users in this confined space. Touch panels, I kind of, with them, I go with a simple to complex design. Um, I, we use them in our event spaces. So they have a panel in, at the podium where the end user can use. And then we also have panels in our AV rack and those differ. So what I do is at the user control, I put the very minimal controls that they need. So they can't get themselves in trouble. In the past, our, which was done before I got there in AV, you could access the full tech commands from the panel right at the users, which then throws the users off if they accidentally get into it. Um, with that said, I have added advanced features to our panels at the users, but they're hidden and they're password protected. So only us techs can actually gain access to them. Um, that's how I kind of go with those. I keep it very simple and then I make it more complex for the users who need the complexity. Which makes a lot of sense. And, and I, um, the, the thing about keypads is that a lot of people think that they're so easy because the buttons are right there. But the fact that the buttons are all right there also doesn't give you the ability to control that experience. And you anybody could press any button at any time versus when you're working on a touch panel, you have a navigation and a flow to that and you can manage your user and what they have access to or what they need at the time or or how they are actually operating the system presenting them with what they need um what what is the when, when you're doing macros or when you when you find yourself putting needing more functions than 13 buttons uh is that something that is then gets scaled back to say we're only doing 13 things or do you start to to duplicate the functions of buttons or, or um, I guess, uh, use buttons for more than one thing? Um, so we are very fortunate in higher education is we make all our classrooms very standard. Um, so there is not many one-off rooms that would need more than our standard configuration. And we figure a 13-button um, can handle it. We can add um, six more. So that makes uh, what 13 plus six is uh, 19 buttons, I think it is. Um, so we could actually go up to 19, I believe, uh, with our new keypads. But um, so we are very limited of what the user can do. Uh, but again, it's a Santa classroom that is very limited what they're going to do anyway. 
So there's turning on display, picking from a very uh, limited number of sources, and volume control. Some rooms have screen controls, some don't. Um, that's something we are trying to streamline a little better, but it's very limited. There's no way to get in trouble. And rooms that really need to go over that, it's more of an event space, which then we bring in the panels. Interesting. The, the, um, it certainly is cer certainly provides simplicity. And, and as you said, the, the standard, uh, standardization of it gives, I, I would imagine a, uh, a professor or somebody who's non-technical, something that they can just look at at face value and, and be able to probably read the label on the button and know what they need. Uh, it, there are no surprises when it comes to, to button panels. Um, one of the things that and I would kind of bring up, and, and I'm sure that you've encountered, is, is they, when you start to have sequences of, of actions happening, when something fails to happen or you need to override, not having that button to do so or not having a way to do manual controls could, could be problematic. Um, the, the other side uh, of things that I, I think is important and uh, you know, is that programmers tend to kind of have that label that, that they're not good, they're not good graphic designers, they're not good at being able to understand what a client needs, and they can't lay out buttons um, in, a, in a way that is uh, logically thought out. And I think that's probably, that, that to me, it seems like an old argument. There may, some may be color challenged, but I think more and more we've learned what needs to happen and how to present the controls now that we have the, the iPhone and, and other um, elements that represent a, a, a user interface design that we're comfortable with. Um, now, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, how, how uh, do you think that uh, those elements and how do you think uh, we, we are going to be moving in the future uh, you know, we, we've talked about HTML5 before and we've, we, you know, we, you have all the different sizes of user interfaces. Uh, do, do you have a, a if you were to, re, to uh, advise somebody as, into, ha, as to how to learn user interface design, do you have uh, any, anything that you would pr present? Um, yeah, actually, I am stealing this from somebody else. And I do apologize because I don't remember who said it or which, which podcast I heard it on. But it got talking about um, design and updating, especially when you go in HTML5 and stuff like that. And you have to be very methodical and making sure you don't change the user experience. Um, and the person's example, which I think was a really great example, is when you do push out a design change, make sure it doesn't change the location of buttons. For example, like think of how you would feel if you sat in your car and your car performed an update and your start button moved. You're, we have muscle memory. Our users have muscle memory. Um, so you got to think about that is don't move a display power button. Even if you move it 
an inch, that inch could really throw your users off. Oh, I couldn't agree more there. I think that that's like a cardinal rule is, is how anchor your, your controls, especially things that are going to be visible on every screen and have consistency and be able to give the, I, I think what I found to be very important is navigation and also uh, the fear that somebody who is technically challenged doesn't want to be scared that they're going to press a button and then not know what to do after that, uh, you know, either get lost or find that they don't know how to navigate, undo what they did. Um, so that, 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 uh, that's, that's a, an excellent point. Um, the, the other thing that I, I like to think about too, is designing your user interface with expansion in mind. So, uh, like you were talking about when you have standard systems, you might have systems that are kind of small, medium, and large, all maybe that fit into a similar operation, but maybe have either more seating or more functionality uh, in, in some rooms, it's important to think about what the most populated room looks like and be able to scale down from there rather than build the smallest layout first and try to figure out where you can add buttons. You kind of need to be thinking ahead, knowing that you've reserved space if changes need to be made or a system is going to be modified or to be able to provide that consistency. No, definitely. Um, you always got to be thinking five, 10 years down the road. The, uh, and then the last part that I would bring up is, is just the added overhead that a programmer needs to think about when they're programming in a more dynamic user interface. So you're thinking about how you're navigating, what is your feedback looking like, and and also um, how do you make sure that somebody is, is using the system and getting the responses that they need in order to feel comfortable. Uh, so whether that is uh, you know, changing colors of buttons, locking out certain buttons, avoiding hitting buttons uh, too, too quickly, uh, they, all of those things kind of get factored in when you have a more dynamic user interface. Definitely. Um, and that's one benefit. I like a, a touch panel over a keypad. Like we can put a countdown for our displays where the keypad, we're just flashing a button and the user understands the flashing of the button is the countdown, but there's no, you know, 60, 59, like the number saying, hey, this is going to end at this time. And you have to worry about getting happy fingers. <laughs> so, yep. um, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up, but I, I feel like it's an important topic because sometimes it gets overlooked. And I, I think the, the programmer's job really has multiple facets. And this is a good example of that. Um, uh, I'll throw it to you to uh, share how our audience can reach you and, and any closing remarks that you have. Um, easiest way to reach out to me is on Twitter uh, at AV underscore James King. I am on LinkedIn as well, James King. You can also find my monthly article on higher at AV.com, which is the IT and AV column. 
And I'm also a crew member on AB Life, which is a weekly podcast as well. And for me, uh, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media. Uh, you can also uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm, I like uh, meeting people there and I, I try to post. And uh, I, I also have another podcast called A State of Control with AV Nation. And uh, it's kind of timely to share that with, after mentioning Tim at the start. So that's kind of my, my uh, first uh, foray into podcasting. And it's another good programming uh, show that I highly recommend for this audience. And I work on that with my partner, Rich Fragosa. Uh, other than that, it's thank you for being with us. And this has been Ask the Programmer.